Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of the A-List podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the A-List podcast. I'm Kwani Lunis. Gary Washburn, Ashrod Blakely joins me. I just told people about our podcast actually yesterday and they subscribed in front of me. So hopefully our loyal listeners are doing that to their friends and making sure they're subscribing on their favorite podcasting apps. What do y'all think? What to do your part for the cause, Corny? <laughs> Look, we got to get these numbers up. <laughs> How have you been? <laughs> How y'all been since this is the last time we spoke? Last week, I'm good. How you been, Gary? Oh, everything's good. Yeah, I yeah. mean, um, you know, we're approaching the season in, in, in conclusion, and the weather's starting to get a little bit better. Hey. Hopefully, so we're getting into springtime. So yeah, everything is good. I'm ready to be outside. Y'all not having it today. All right, whatever. We got like you Let's said. Go, Let's go. Let's get it. Is winding down. Few games left in this season. Celtics capped off that West Coast trip with a four and two record. Finished with a very solid win at Sacramento. They did lose at Houston and Utah, two of the weaker teams on that trip. So, how would you two assess the overall road trip that they just finished? Man, I mean, it wasn't bad. I mean, they they, they did what the team overall should do, but. You know, when you look at the Houston game, you look at that Utah game, they stick out not just because they lost, but just the way they lost. Uh, that, the Utah one really bothered me because Houston, they're going to have nights like that where they just don't play better than they normally do. But the Utah game was one where the Jazz had a clear and undeniable game plan, executed it, and the Celtics didn't do the things to counter that at all. And, and you got to tip your hat to Will. Hardy, former Celtics assistant, now Utah Jazz coach, for using that insider intel to come up with a game plan that really uh, made Jason Tatum fairly pedestrian. Uh, but that being said, the Celtics still should have found a way to win that game. That To me, that's the one that disappoints me more so than the Houston. Yeah, I kind of felt like um, they lost the two, two most winnable games on the trip. Um, I felt like Atlanta would be a challenge, which it was, but they were able to prevail. Um, they lost to Houston and they beat Minnesota, which was a quality team, you know. Uh, and then they came back and whooped Portland. And then they beat Sacramento, which I thought was the toughest game on the trip. But then Houston, who has nothing to play for, they, you know, played around and messed around the entire game and then lost at the end. And then Utah's a game they should have won, like Sherrod said, seven-point lead. In, in the last three, four minutes, and then they just got caught from behind. They didn't make enough plays. They didn't get enough defensive stops. Um, it, it, it was just sort of like they thought that they could shoot their way to a victory, that they're just going to make more shots. They ended up the Utah getting, them, getting a couple of stops. You know, Jason Tatum took that three-pointer that was ill-advised. He took that difficult step back that 
missed. I mean, they started missing and then, you know, the, the jazz were clutch, just more clutch. So uh, I think four and two is better than three and three. It, it, you know, any team going West or any West team going East, if they went four and two on a trip, you know, they'd be happy with that. Um, so the Celtics can't be crushed, but they also know they really had a chance to go six and oh, at least five and one. So that being said, there are nine games left in the regular season. The Celtics are back at number two in the East, but they're behind Milwaukee two and a half games. They're fighting for that number two spot with Philly right now, who is only three games behind. So at this point, I know we get a little dramatic when we talk about basketball, but who do you think is the better team between them um, in Boston? What actually is better for the Celtics? Should they try to stick with that number two spot or should they maybe quote tank a little bit and be okay with number three? What you got, Gary? Well, no, I think try to get number two. I mean, don't mess around. You want two home court series, advantage series. You want, if you have to play Philly in the second round, you want that series of home court advantage, the first two games in Boston. So don't, don't mess around here. Um, and their schedule is interesting, I'll say, to end. Like, you know, they got that showdown with Philly. Like, they got one with Milwaukee. And I looked at this, catching Milwaukee is not completely out of the question because Milwaukee has a back-to-back at Denver, at Utah, which will be tough. That you got to think that they'll maybe split, right? Now, if they win both of those, and then they also, Milwaukee also has Philly. So Milwaukee, I mean, they got some winnable, very winnable games, but they also have three to four games that are going to be a challenge. So if they if the Celtics take care of business, nine games left, if they beat who they're supposed to beat, win that game at Milwaukee, and then I think they I still think they have a chance, and then which they'll get home, they'll get the tiebreaker if they win that game. I still think they have a chance to catch the Bucks. So don't completely count out them catching the Bucks. As I said Milwaukee still has to go west. They still have a West Coast road trip. And I know when I've done my little research, my little hood research. It is a back-to-back included in that trip at Philly, sorry, at Denver, at Utah. So they're going to they're gonna be challenged. We love some hood research. Never nothing wrong with that. I'm sorry. And it's Utah, Denver. I'm sorry. And it starts Friday. So tomorrow at Utah, at Denver, at Detroit, and Indiana. Indiana beat them. So that's not a cinch game. You got to give the, they yep. beat Detroit. Then they got the Celtics and Philly. Mm-hmm. Then they still got the Bulls and Memphis and Toronto. So mm-hmm. the Bucks don't have an easy schedule to finish. So the Celtics, now we don't, we know they're shaky at times. If they take care of their business, they could catch the Bucks or tie them. That's what you want. Win that game at Milwaukee with a tiebreaker and yeah. tie and get the number three. So that's a question. Yeah, that March 30th game is circled on the calendar. That's going to be a really fun one. Yeah, it, it will be. And, and, and to, to Gary's point, I mean, it's at this point, if, if I if I had to to go to our good friend FanDuel and put some money down on who will come out of that three team race between Boston, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia, I'm feeling really bullish on the Celtics finishing with the best record. And here's why. Okay. <laughs> the strength of schedule. I'm gonna do my. I got my own little hood research. Now Philadelphia has the toughest remaining schedule of any team in the NBA. 
in the top 10 among those teams is the Milwaukee Bucks. The Celtics have like the 16th, 17th hardest schedule. So from a scheduling standpoint, the Celtics have the best chances of Mm -hmm. finding success going forward. Throw in the fact that Boston has already, you know, they've established they're the superior team in Philadelphia. As Gary pointed out, that West Coast trip, Milwaukee is probably going to suffer a couple of L's in that regard. And so the Celtics, I mean, as, as much as we have grinded our teeth and been frustrated with their play, they're well positioned to catapult Milwaukee and wind up with the best record in the, certainly the Eastern Conference and in the NBA for that matter. And to be frank with you, if we're talking about them as a championship caliber team, I don't feel good about them winning a title if they don't have home court throughout. I don't feel good about that because they have shown that they aren't as mentally strong as I would like them to be. And I think most people would like them to be when it comes to beating teams that play hard on the road. Like the Utah Jazz, Utah didn't play a great game. They just played consistently hard. And over time, that seemed to impact the Celtics uh, in a negative way. So I like the Celtics' chances of being able to catapult Milwaukee for that top spot because, again, they have the easier schedule. They're mm-hmm. done with their West Coast trip. Milwaukee is not. And in Philadelphia, they have the toughest schedule of any team in the NBA remaining. So there's a lot of things that the Celtics don't have any control over that are playing in their favor. But the thing that they do control is their schedule, which is very middle of the road the rest of the way. And that's really what makes the NBA spicy. We talk about the storylines. I mentioned that March 30th game, but then I just looked at the Sixers schedule. They're actually playing the Bucks, like we mentioned, in Milwaukee on April 2nd. And then you fast forward, the Celtics go to Philly on April 4th. So that those three teams being so close together right now, and then thankfully we get to see them play each other right before the end. I think it's, it's literally going to be a race to the finish line, which again keeps things interesting. But speaking of the playoffs, but, but, Kawhi, yeah. but, look, but look at Philly's schedule. Like, oh, no, I know their schedule is not there. Mm, yeah. Tomorrow night at Golden State, then a back to back at Phoenix, then di- at Denver, then they, they come tired. home. Luca and Dallas, then Toronto, mm-hmm. then at Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, Atlanta, Brooklyn. Brooklyn they, is the only team that's kind of slipping. That's, that's a rough. Fight all playoff teams, <laughs> all playoff teams, six on the road, four at home. And yep. then your home games are the Celtics, the Heat, Oof. Dallas, and Toronto, who gives teams a tough time. So there's yeah. no gimmies on the end. Obviously, they're not yeah. going to go 0 10, but there's no game on that schedule. Like, oh, they'll they'll easily beat them. Yeah. Like, they should win at Dallas at home. They should be, win at Atlanta. But that Golden State, Phoenix, Denver, three games and four nights. Uh, that's going to be something. So the Celtics have a chance, as we talked about, and you mentioned, uh, Kwani, they have a chance just handling their business. Look, Philly, good luck. <laughs> but if the playoffs were to end today, we talked about some of the opponents that we're going to see throughout this playoff series. The one that they would hypothetically, I know it's hypothetical, would face today is the Miami Heat. Are you afraid of that matchup? If not, what other teams should the Celtics be worried about right now in the East? I have a few answers in my head, but I know y'all yeah, got it. I'm not I'm not afraid of the matchup. I just think that the Miami Heat will do what the Miami Heat always do, and that's just make you work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not what you really want to do in the first round. You just want to win, keep it, keep it moving, KIM, keep it moving, and just prepare for that, uh, which you know will be a tougher second-round matchup. So, I don't like the Miami in the first round simply because they're just going to make you work harder to, to advance than you'd want to. Of the teams that you're looking at, the Celtics may wind up playing, and there's about, about five or six 
Uh, the team that I, I would probably, if I'm the Boston Celtics, feel the most comfortable playing, I think is, is the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, for one yeah. thing, they're starting to, to really struggle. Now they've lost four in a row, uh, so they're trending in the wrong direction. Uh, they're a team that gets by by just toughness and grit. Uh, they don't have the star power that they used to have. They just work hard. And frankly, those teams are usually the easier ones to beat in the playoffs because at some point, talent has to rise to the top. And if you ain't got elite top-tier talent, guess what's rising to the top? Nada. So I think the chances of a quicker series with Brooklyn are greater than they are with, with any of those other teams other than maybe the Atlanta Hawks, who are, again, they're going through a lot of stuff. I don't think they would – I don't think they're going to be able to avoid the playing game, which is why they're not my choice. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Celtics, they're going to be in good shape whoever they play in the first round. It's just a matter of how hard are they going to have to really put forth effort to get out of that that first-round series. Mm. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I don't think there's an easy team. If you look at the teams, the, the list of competing for the playing spot, okay, like it's got – it's coming down to, like, basically, uh, okay, like – Washington's two and a half back. They're probably done. Indiana, who I mean, I think they really need to win tomorrow against the Celtics. Like they're a game and a half back of Chicago. Chicago is a team, I, you know, like Chicago would be a tough first round opponent. Not because they would win the series, but you're talking tough, which you mean taking the t- series to six, right? You don't want your first round opponent to take blood out of you. You don't want them to take a chunk out of you. You want to win the series. You know, everybody loved to sweep, but you want to win it in the gentleman's sweep. You want to win it in five. You know, you don't want to be taking a six where you got to win. You got to close out the game on the road. If you don't, then it's a game seven and every all bets are off. Like, I think the Heat and the Bulls can push it to six with the matchups. Okay. Um the Hawks and the Raptors, not as much, I think. And, and But the Raptors are just so unpredictable. They're a right. terrible team on the road, 12 and 24, one of the worst road records in the NBA uh, in terms of like a competing team. There's teams with worse records, but the, the Raptors, the Raptors have, have just really been a, one of the more disappointing teams in the league this year. Um, and the Hawks, I just don't think they can run with the Celtics. I think they're just, you know, I, I don't, I'm not impressed with the Hawks at all but i do think the heat now the question is who comes out the heat and the brooklyn nets are tied okay um the nets the heat have played two more games so the heat are trying to get out of it they're trying to get out of that play-in okay that's their preference and i think if you're a celtic fan you might want to root for the heat to get out of that so 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 if they face the third seed then it's a blood series with them in philadelphia that's a rated X that's for adults only sir Jimmy going back to Philly and B um, just the just those two teams they faced each other last year Philly's a favorite now like that's a blood that that's if you're the number two seed your Celtics that's what the series you hope the, the, the Sixers go through you hope you know because that then you hope to face if you can like Sherrod said the Brooklyn Nets Right. Because I think despite the fact that Brooklyn beat them and came back, I think a focused team, Celtic team would win that series in five. Because the Nets have kind of lost their mojo. But, you know, I think that Miami is the one team you want to avoid. The Knicks, I don't think they'll drop to seven, um, although they've lost two in a row now and they've kind of slipped. You know, I think that's more of a I think that's 
a series that I think the Knicks and the Cavs are kind of targeted for that first round series, which I think will be a, another blood sports series of two teams that are, that are really hungry and, or whatever, and, or whatever. So, and, but I think if you're the Celtics, you're rooting for the, the nets to slip and the heat to get that six seed. If you get the second seed, now, if you get the third seed, everything different, right? So it all, it could go, who you root for could go day to day. But if I'm the Celtics, I do not want to face the heat. And just for the matchup purposes, I, even though the Bulls are a mess, I don't want to face the Bulls. I don't want to see Vucevic and that big old front line and Andre Drummond pulling down 18 boards and and uh, DeMar hitting mid-ranges. Like, they, they seem to play well against the Celtics. You don't want to see them. Not to say they'll win the series, but you don't want to leave with some scars. That's all. All right, so moving on, because there, I feel like every week we talk about either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, and this week we're going to talk about Jalen Brown. And the reason why we're talking about him is because of the article that was just put in the ringer. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I'm assuming you've read it by our friend Logan Murdoch. But also what's bothered me about the way people have reacted to the article is kind of as he actually has said in a press conference, people have picked and prodded what they wanted to from that article rather than kind of take it for what it is. So I'd just first love to hear what your reaction was to there so many tidbits. He talks about his relationship with Kyrie Irving, why he signed with Donda, even just his early years here as a Celtic. But I just wanted to hear your initial thoughts on what was written about him. Pretty much every step that Jalen takes is one that has been thought about before he takes Very, it. Uh, yes. And whether you agree or disagree with his decisions, the decisions, for the most part, are well thought out and mm-hmm. by, by Jalen. And to me, that's why a lot of this is, is just uh, it's just a big fat nothing burger out there. Where we're gonna we're gonna talk about this ad nauseum, but there's really not a lot of substance to it because regardless of what you see or read or hear about Jalen, he's going to make a decision that will be one that will be thought out, well beyond what most players do. Most players are typically looking at who's going to pay me the most money and where am I going to get the most playing time? Dalen thinks beyond those things because if that if those are the only two factors in play, then he's not going anywhere. But Jalen is looking to, for things that only he has a true sense of what they mean to him and what their value is. And I respect that because at the end of the day, whatever decision he makes, he's doing it for the right reasons. He's not just going where the money's at. He's not just going to chase a ring. He's going to do what makes him feel most fulfilled. And that's the thing that I, I, I push back on a lot of people who are upset and bothered that he's not showing all this, this love for Boston. Y'all do remember y'all booed the brother when he got drafted, right? It's, it's, it's funny how that part of the story gets nitpicked out of the narrative, but you better believe that Jalen has not forgotten that. And while he, I don't think, has held that against Celtics fans, Make no mistake about it that the brother has not forgotten that. Uh, and as he should not forget that. Uh, now, is that one of the factors that should come to play when he's making the decision? I don't think so. But, every again, we don't really know what that that basket of, of ideas and thoughts and issues are, is going to look like when he's trying to sort through what is going to ultimately move the needle for him to stay or go. The bottom line is this. He's going to give it serious thought. And I'm a big fan of, of young people who think seriously about their lives and their careers beyond just playing the game. 
Uh, there's more at stake in this decision for Jalen than just competing for a championship and winning, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. That stuff is part of, of all of this, obviously. But he's not making that the ultimate determining factor right now. And I, I respect that. Yeah, I don't have a problem. Like, I thought the story was good, good, good work by Logan to sit down with, with Jalen um, and talk to him about, you know, kind of how he feels about things. And I think it was more of an alert to city of Boston and the organization about how Jalen feels. And I do think he is justified in feeling uh, certain ways about the organization being trade bait um, for years, not trade bait, but being the first name mentioned. And a lot of that isn't Celtic people. A lot of that is, you know, everybody's got a trade machine in our computer, their computer. Everybody uh, feels like Jalen's the most expendable between him and Jason and Jason's the untouchable one. Um, so I, I think Jalen feels some kind of way about not Jason. I think him and Jason are good. I think their friendship is good. Their bond is good. I don't think they're going to, uh, anybody's going to break that up. I don't think that, that his issue is with Jason at all. I think they really get along well from what I've seen and talked to and observed over the years. They're different guys. I think, as I told uh, Logan on a podcast earlier, I think everybody assumes that all these 20-somethings are the same kind of dudes. Like, you know, they, they all listen to the same music, they all play video games, and they all like sneakers. Like, Jalen and Jason are different. Jason's a father. Jason's more about his family. He's an endorsement guy. He loves the ball. Um, he likes to have a good time, not get out, party, I'm talking about, but just like he enjoys life. Jason is the thinker. Jalen is a thinker, the activist, um, you know, wants to help the education, like speaks at schools, things like that's different. But they have a healthy respect for each other. And I think Jalen feels like just from the jump, and I just think he he plays with a chip on his shoulder because of that. He hasn't gotten the respect he feels like he deserves. And I don't know, Sharad, whether like at that draft party where they were like, boo, I think there was a couple of factors that played in that. One, Celtic fans wanted the Celtic to take Chris Dunn. More local kid, Chris Dunn, and let, let's not look at Chris Dunn now. He's had some injury issues. But when he came out of Providence, he was well, a prospect. I mean, he was a real deal, right? That's true. That's true. I remember that. He was, a, he, was a, he was a truth. And he played 50 minutes away at Providence. And people were like, wow, the Celtics could use, you know, and, that, and, and people weren't into the whole Marcus Smart. That was 2016. People didn't know Marcus Smart was going to be a point guard. People didn't like, they were like, wow, they could use a really use a, a ball handling point guard of the future. This is before Isaiah got there. There's a lot of things that happened. Mm -hmm. you know since then and people have revisionist history and then no but there was a level of him being a cow kid and i remember talking about the fact that a lot of people didn't even know anything so about we, that's what it was yeah. it was not doing him like right. he sucks that's it's doing him as who the hell is this dude but this they, still booed, they booed wick for not wick was it danny they were booing danny essentially as well yeah, like who the hell is this dude with the flat top we've never <laughs> seen him before and i told i've said i was like Jalen could have played at Boston College and people would probably hey. know who he was. Because I wish he did, yo, because it would have been way better. Folks up here don't care about college sports. They only sure. know they only know five college players. They don't know the Pac-12. They didn't watch him on television. They had no friggin' idea who he was besides maybe his name. 
Like they did not know anything about him. And, and the lack of, uh, you know, the lack of knowledge of Jalen is one thing that hurt him and made the fans go, boo, who is this guy? We have no idea. Blue, boo, you know, because he didn't play at Duke. He didn't play at Carolina. Or he wasn't local with Chris Dunn. People, especially who followed the Big East and followed that basketball, thought, wow, he would be great in a Celtic uniform. Take the local kid. You know, so I think that is one thing that happened. I think Jalen's had certain things getting benched like he thought he's benched in place of Gordon Hayward, the Gordon Hayward issue, which got awkward. Mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, remember Hayward signed like a what, like um, two weeks after they drafted Jalen. Yeah. So the Celtics didn't know that, that like, they, you know, remember it, people thought he might go back to Utah or people thought he'd go to Charlotte. People did not know in 2016, obviously he was, he was he went to Charlotte, but people did not know. The Celtics didn't know that they were going to sign Gordon Hayward. Well, so I, I don't think, yeah, Gordon, I don't think became like real, real comfortable and confident that they could get him until he did not make one of those all NBA teams because Utah was going to pay him that Supermax if he didn't. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to get my years mixed. So I want to say Gordon, Gordon signed 16 or 17. I just look it up, Lauren. You look it up. I don't want to get the. I don't want to make look, a point. We can't then. have our hood hood facts being accurate now. We got to make sure yeah. that they're up to date. So he signed with Boston in 2017. Okay. For the so 2017. Jalen just finished his rookie year. I'm sorry. So Jalen just finished rookie so year. year after. So yeah. they did not know they're gonna sign Gordon Hayward like that. So of course, Gordon, all star coming out, all star Steven established. Of course, he's gonna play over. But Jalen, remember, Jalen, Jason. Gordon gets hurt. Kyrie gets hurt. Jason and Jalen lead well, along with young Terry Rozier and Marcus Morris. Hey. One of our, some of our favorite guys who are on that team literally lead it to East Coast Finals. And then, then Isaiah. So I think Jalen, and then when Gordon comes back, all of a sudden he gets his starting spot back. So I think there was a certain issue. That was an issue. His relationship with Kyrie. Um, and even this season, his thoughts on, like, he got lambasted for not immediately denouncing Kanye West. Mm-hmm. He got lambasted for not immediately denouncing Kyrie Irving and supporting Kyrie as a member of the Players Association. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that came to the defense of Kyrie and said, well, Willie, what did he do in terms of getting a six-game suspension? What did he do really wrong? And you could we could debate that. And I don't think it was smart or what Kyrie did, but, like, his social media posts caused cause for uh, NBA suspensions. There was no rules about that in the CBA, which I expected would be in the next one. And there was a lot of people that thought that Kyrie was for, oh, Kyrie must do these seven things to come back to the Nets. And a lot of people, including Jalen, thought, ooh, that's that's a lot. That's a real interesting and, and, and very degrading way to treat a player. You know, that's a, that's an old school system. You need to, you know, here's seven things you need to do. Like you're not his parent. So I think he feels some kind of way about some of those reactions he's gotten. Mm-hmm. And I think that he was just, he's venting. Now, is this a warning to, or I think this is kind of a wake up call to the organization. Mm-hmm. Like he'll be a free agent after next season. He can, you know, Supermax is going to be out there potentially if he makes All-NBA, but this is how I feel. But as I said, I mentioned earlier to somebody, like, 
I don't know if there's like, you know, like there's every time somebody's got a, a hometown, like hometown team, like Katie, like, you know, such as wants to go to this team. I don't yeah. know if there's a city that Jalen's like, yep, I got to play. In the, like, I you don't fiend for Atlanta. He likes Atlanta. He's, that's where he's from. I don't think he's dreaming of playing for the Hawks. I don't think he's dreaming of playing for the Lakers. I think he just wants to play somewhere where he's treated well, gets paid, and, and wins. So I don't think the sell. I don't think it's like, oh, well, I hate Boston. I need to go to a city with more black people. I want to go to like. I don't think he's targeting cities. I just think he wants to feel wanted and rewarded from playing where he is. And I think that that can happen in Boston. I just don't look. You look at some of these guys that you know they're destined to go to a certain city, or they've been targeting a certain city to play in, or they want to play for the Lakers, or they want to go home and play for Dallas, or what. I just don't see that. With, I don't know if you guys do see like a team that J, that you were like, yeah, I could see Jalen playing in that uniform because you would think Atlanta where he's from, but I'm not saying Jalen's not about Atlanta. He is, but he's not but one yeah. of those. He running back every like I need to, yeah. I need you know like I'm spending all my summers there, and and I got five houses and I got seven businesses, and it's not like that. Yeah. And to your point, his quote actually said as long as I'm needed it's not up to me we'll see how they feel about me over time and I feel about them over time hopefully whatever it is it makes sense but I will stay where I'm wanted I will stay where I'm needed and treated correctly which I think is very telling Sharad you were going to say something no I was just going to say the big thing about Jalen that I think we all need to be mindful of is that he's looking for a place that understands and appreciates his value and so far you know, the, the Celtics, for the most part, and when I say Celtics, I'm talking about the organization. I'm talking about the fan base. I'm not talking about the city. I'm talking about the organization. They have done their part to improve that relationship. Because as Gary pointed out, things were a little bit shaky when Gordon was here. Uh, because Jalen was seeing the same thing that we were. And that is a young, up-and-coming potential all-star and a hurt-damaged former all-star who was being treated as if everything was great when it wasn't. Uh, so. I think the Celtics as an organization have, have made the right strides to improve the relationship there. Uh, it's on the city, I think, at this point, to be better at making him feel comfortable. Because when I look at all the, the things that he said, that strikes me uh, as being the potential, if he were to leave, this is why, moment. Uh, mm -hmm. The relationship with the city and the fan base. Uh, because when you think about Bill Russell and all that he endured, people wonder, you know, Boston was so horrible to him. No, the organization was great. His issues were with the people in the city. Uh, and I think if Jalen were to leave and you start going back and you start looking at the receipts that led to his departure, I think that's what's going to stand out. All right. So quickly back to the conversation, because, again, the reason why I brought it up was because, unfortunately, I listen to too much Boston sports radio and I'll listen to the point where, honestly, I just want to hear different perspective in general, I'm always listening to what people have to say, but then there's always a sense of, and I understand specifically with people of color that live in Boston, they don't feel as though that their voices are heard. And I think with this conversation, we talk about the narratives of Kyrie Irving and, and you know um, Kanye West. And even in the Ringer article, he actually mentioned how he didn't even see eye to eye with Kyrie. He admitted that, but now as a VP of the Players Association, I think a part of what his role is, whether he does agree with some of the things the other players do or not, is to make sure that players can still have a voice. But that's not even what I want to talk about. 
I want to talk about the New York Times article that also came out this week with our good friend Sopan, who at one point there's a tidbit that I think people glossed over a little bit too much. And it was basically Jalen Brown saying how he thought being in Boston, an elite player that he is, obviously a superstar here in Boston, he thought that he'd have a little bit more opportunity when it came to home ownership and even just business opportunities. And from the tidbit, I wish there was a little more elaboration. To be honest, it seemed as though that hasn't necessarily been the case. I'm not sure if he is a homeowner here in Boston, but I think that basically highlighted the stigma when you talk about the conversation surrounding Boston. And I know Bostonians hate that is Boston racist rhetoric because I do understand how they see it as unfair, but it also, I think is it's worth discovering and talking more about how are athletes treated here? Is, you know, a Jalen Brown going to be treated the same way that, I mean, lack of a better example, a Larry Bird, because he's actually done a lot in the city, but what are the racial components to the way that athletes are perceived here in Boston? I'm curious if you two have talked about it or thought about it in any way. It's hard not to think about it and or talk about it. I mean, when you think about the athletes that we cover, you think about they're predominantly black uh, and you, realize and understand that we're in Boston uh, and there are some issues that I don't think are necessarily front and center like they were in maybe the 60s and 70s. That doesn't mean they don't exist. Uh, and, and I think Jalen kind of alluded to some of the, the issues that he has either seen firsthand or has some type of intimate knowledge about uh, having, again, some type of engagement with those issues. And again, I, I think it's it speaks to just you know, just kind of the one of the many ills that Boston, like a lot of cities, are trying to figure out how to get past. Uh, you know, when people talk about Boston is racist, Boston is racist. I'm like, you do realize you're talking about like 99.8 percent of the of the cities in this country. Uh, you can say that. Exactly. That needs to be clarified. Yes, well, absolutely. I don't think Boston is necessarily unique in that regard. I, I think. For Jalen, it's, it's unique that it's a major city. And when you think about major cities, you think about the L.A.s, the New Yorks, the Chicago's. And there's a certain diversity that those cities have for all its high profile athletes. And I think he's he's recognizing he sensed that it's a little bit different. In it's Boston. not Atlanta. <laughs> right. Not Atlanta. And, and, and hell, there's not a lot of cities in the world that are Atlanta. So let, let's keep that 100 point. Uh, but the point is that Jalen had recognized that there is a difference, there is a distinction, and it's hard for him to look at it, and I think for most of us to look at it and not feel that there's some element of of racism baked into the issue. Uh, it's just a matter of, is it enough of an issue that will limit or prevent him from embracing this community in, in a significant, meaningful way for an extended period of time? And we'll find out in, in a year or so when he has a chance to, to re-up, because Boston will offer him more money than anyone else will. And if he decides that's that to go elsewhere, we know that the issue won't be money. Uh, and I'm hoping that he will be transparent enough whenever he makes his decision to give us some insight into what he decides to do, whether he stays put or not. Uh, yeah. But the bottom line is he's going to give whatever decision he makes uh, a thorough thinking through before he makes it. And ultimately, I think Jalen's going to do what makes the most sense and will be the best thing for him. Yeah. Um... Yeah, like Kwani said, I, I wish there was some more information about like the home ownership aspect of I it, do. I really or the do. financial aspect of it, whether he is being, you know, rejected or turned down for business ideas or business propositions he might have, or whether he's tried to buy a certain level of house that he was not 
approved or re rejected or in a neighborhood that maybe not have been as welcoming. Imagine Jalen's put submitting a, a, for a freaking loan application and then be like, nah, you're not approved. What? Well, you never know. I mean- like You don't but, want that guaranteed money? Come yeah. on. The problem is, is that- Hey, you out of his pocket right there on the spot. Cash, baby. Anyway, I'm sorry, Gary. I'm sorry. The problem is, is that I think there are, um, like, you have, like, including Sports Talk Radio, you have people like, what do you complain about? Like, what's wrong with this place? Yep. And then you have issues like what happened this week with Mina Kimes, uh, you know, radio personality, mm -hmm. you know, what happened with, with, with someone a couple of months ago, a radio personality trying to be funny, and it becomes racial. And then Boston takes three steps back after taking two steps forward in the perception of the city and how can y'all live there and what's wrong with you what's wrong with this place and why do people just freely say that um things like that one because there are no real penalties a suspension a slap on the wrist a, a, a apology and then they write back on the air no problem um it's a it, you know the sports media in this city as we know is is majority white majority male and, and, you know, people don't seem, the people in power don't seem to have an issue with that. And Jalen notices that. Jalen notices what goes on in the city. And I think the other players do too. And they're not comfortable with that because, you know, you don't see a lot of these other issues come out of other major cities like this. And it makes the city look bad. And, and let's be honest, like that's, it's, it's, it's like, we feel like, in many cases, we represent all of Black people in the, th in the things that we do. We have to carry ourselves a certain way. We have to dress a certain way to the arena. We have to look a certain way because people are going to judge us on our race as well as our talents. We can't look like a bum. We can't look like a fool. We can't look like we don't take, we can't be super casual because we get stereotyped. And it's the same thing sometimes with, with, with white folks in Boston. If they, if one of them slips, people think all y'all like that. In, in a sense, they, they, it, it represents, unfortunately, the city of Boston. Is it fair? No, but it ain't fair for us either. Welcome to our world, in a sense. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and so when things happen like that, players, athletes, take note. Is that a city I want to play in? Is that an environment I want to be in? Is that where I want to raise my kids? Um, and so that's something for the city to think about. The organization to think about it's just, it just it is what it is, and incidents like this or the dude, the kid who threw the bottle at Kyrie, like that stuff adds up, and people put that in the back of their mind. Is that is this a place I want to be? If that dude is on sports talk radio laughing it up because he'll be laughing it up next week with no, without a worry in the world, well, where's the repercussions for his actions? Mm -hmm. What happened to that guy? Oh, you got suspended. Well, like it's just like. The stuff that happens, you know, nobody nobody pays the price for. It's just, it's just, you know, Boston keeps moving on. And so the players notice that. Jalen is very astute. Jalen knows how many black people cover the team. He knows how many women cover the team. He knows the people of color. He notices that or the lack thereof. He notices that, like, you know. He notices how many, the lack of black owned businesses in Boston or the lack of black people that live in certain neighborhoods. He notices that. 
Some of the players might not notice that as much. Jalen ain't one of them dudes. Jalen notices these types of things. And if he's not allowed to do some of the business he wants to do, and, you know, is how many endorsements from local businesses has he, has he received? We don't know. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like there's like Big Poppy is great. We all love David Ortiz, but he's not the only major black athletic figure in the history of Boston. Mm. And I think that that's what uh, people have to understand and have to realize is that, you know, Boston's got to be more open to other things and other people in its media and its housing and it's all in his businesses, all of the above. Everybody ain't going to say to stay in the same spot. I think some people in Boston are very okay with other people. As long as you stay where you are and I stay where I am and you don't try to come to my side and I don't come to yours. We're cool. Or you don't try to make too much money and try to buy some property next to where I live. Then there's a problem. I think people are okay with, you know, all because there's a rainbow of people here. We all know it. Blacks, Dominicans, Cape Verdeans, Jamaicans, Haitians, <laughs> Puerto Ricans, whites, Germans, Irish, different, all, everybody, eight different, you know, Vietnamese, Thai, Chinese, Japanese, all the different races live here, right? But I think Boston is the kind of city that people are like, yeah, we're good as long as you stay where you are. Mm. We, you know, we'll let you live life. We'll, we'll, we'll accept you. That's good. Isn't that progress? Like, no, for people, that's not progress. So I think Jalen is one to point that out because I think Jalen's probably, and we don't know some of the business ventures he's tried to pursue or whether he's been rejected. And, and of course, we'd like to see more specific stories of, hey, I tried to open up my juice business in this area and was told, uh, we're not looking for any athletic apparel business, whatever it might be, I don't know, yeah. right? Um, but... Jalen's one of those that's going to notice that. And I think that city of Boston has to be better because incidents like what happened this week, it mm -hmm. does nothing. But people look at us and go, how do y'all live there? Mm -hmm. Why do y'all put up with that? Is everybody like that in Boston? Is that what they think of you? Is that, you know, and because what happened, what's going to happen? The guy going to be on the air, right on the air next week. Chalk laughing it up back to normal. You know, they don't have Kwani on there. They don't have no woman of color. I know they got no woman of color on radio. That's just, that's crazy, right? That's a crazy proper thought to have a woman of color on sports radio here. It's just that, like, and no, and everybody just seems to kind of, well, you know, maybe next time, you know, no, like things have to change. And I think Jalen pointed that out, but I think this example this week and what happened a couple of months ago with the car theft remark, you know, uh, is 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 an indication that maybe it's time for Boston to again look at itself in the mirror and people to understand that things haven't probably progressed as much as they people think they have. Well said. I think the biggest it seems like solution is just the accountability. It's calling people out when they make mistakes, but making sure that there are consequences because if there aren't any, then it will continue to happen. And to your point, when people talk about Boston overall, it shouldn't be the Mark Wahlbergs or the Matt Damons or, you know, there should be a level of, there are different people that come from Boston. And I will say that working at NBC, I've seen that the tourism department is trying to emphasize that there is an inclusive Boston. There are other people that live 
in this city. But unfortunately, until incidents like that stop happening, people are going to overlook because like you said, they're going to remember the bad before they remember the, oh. the good that a Jason Tatum and a Jalen Brown brought to the city. They're going to remember all oh, that radio host trolled an Asian American woman on air. So very well said. Thanks for engaging me, with me in that conversation. I know we're hitting a little hour point. So I think we're good unless you do want to go around the NBA. What do you think? It's up to you two. I know you got yeah. busy lives. <laughs> we're good. I mean, good. I mean, John Moran is back on, and he's coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Yeehaw, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, Mark Cuban, I know, is, is trying to protest uh, a bad call that happened in the shocked. third quarter. You're right. The third, third quarter. not the fourth. Not the fourth. We're talking about the third quarter. So <laughs> that's not to go well. And the only thing that I was, that was just kind of curious as I was looking at the standings was Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. They're like two games out of the fourth spot in the West. And we're not really talking about them much at all. Uh, as, as just a, su- a surprise team, they're coaching. I was curious what Gary's thoughts were on just Oklahoma City, just how they're kind of low-key, slow-dripping their way into the yeah. playoff picture without anyone realizing what's happening. Yeah, I think that's because a lot of the teams in the West have s- slipped. New Orleans has fallen, fallen because they've, they've slipped. I think teams, you know, Portland, you know, with your, your our buddy, Chauncey Billups, my guy. He's out there. Everyone's his um, guy. <laughs> I think that certain teams just have not taken that step forward, which has allowed Oklahoma City to kind of just keep at that 500 pace because they got enough talent to go 500. Like they're a 500 club and to make, to try to, and to get in the playoffs. And I think, honestly, I think that it's about time. Like the Thunder have been building for years now since they moved on from Russell Westbrook. What was that? Two thousand like eighteen or whatever. When since they moved Russell to um, Houston, right? Was it Houston? Houston. I lost track. Yeah. Houston. Then he went to Washington. Then he went to the Lakers or whatever. So um, Houston. Like ever since then, they've been in rebuild. Three, four years now, almost five years. Like rebuild, rebuild, draft picks, loading up all these first round picks. Trading Paul George for Shea Gillis Alexander. That was kind of the sharp star of their rebuild, too, is moving Paul George after they went to the playoffs. Because I forgot, they didn't go to the playoffs in the bubble. So let me scratch that. They got Paul George, went to the playoffs in the bubble, then traded Chris Paul and traded George, and then like let Gallo move on. So th- three years. But since KD left, they've been kind of, you know, a non factor, mm-hmm. right? And so I think. It's about time with all these young guys they got, they get some playoff experience. If it's a play-in, it's about time. And I think the city needs that because they've been kind of figuring what's okay, Sam Presti, what are you, general manager, what are you working on here? Like, when is it going to start resulting in some victories? You know, you uh you got the new coach in and you got Gillis Alexander, Josh Giddy. Um, Holmgren, unfortunately, check Holmgren's out for this. You know, he'll be back next year. But I think they've lined up so many of these young guys and made so many trades, countless deal over the years. It was like, okay, are we ever going to get out of back to the days where we're a perennial, perennial playoff team? And, and for Oklahoma City, I think it's 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 this year. I mean, I I, I think it's it's about time. And you look at you look at th- those guys. I said they're. They're in the eighth spot now, 
you know, the net, they could fall out of the play in. They're only a game up on, on Utah, which is third, which is 11th, but you know, they, they're a quality team. They're obviously they beat the brakes off the Celtics about two and a half months ago. Um, eight and two of their last 10 games. So they're a quality team. They, they got a 1.4 differential, which is, I think, which is crazy, but that's, that's fifth in the West. I mean, so, I mean, you look at some of these other teams, 0.4 with the Warriors, 0.5 with the Mavericks, minus 0.2 with the Lakers, but the Thunder 1.4, that's the fifth best in the West in, in comparison, you know? So uh, the Celtics lead the NBA, by the way, them and the Cavaliers with 5.6 means they win every, when they win, they, they beat you up. So, I think I'm I'm I think the Thunder, it's about time they make to make a step forward. And I'm happy for those young guys to get some success after being down for a few years. There we have it. That's another episode of the A-List podcast in the books. I can't believe the regular season is really winding down, but of course, that means we're just getting ready for more important basketball. Playoffs. This has been huh? The playoffs, exactly. That's what we need. I need it immediately. <laughs> For the A-List Podcast, I'm Kwani Lunas, Ashraf Blakely, Gary Washburn. Thank you for listening. And like I said, go somewhere and and force somebody to subscribe to the pod in a kind way, if that makes sense. Force them to subscribe. (laughs) Wow. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.